Good morning. Welcome to Bike Talk. This is uh, April 18th, I think is what we're looking at here. April 18th, and uh, this is going to be probably the... It is uh, one of the 20-somethingth shows of, uh, of Bike Talk. I'm going to hand the microphone over here to Nick, the illustrious producer. So, obviously, we've gotten all the bugs out, uh, and that's good. Here's uh, Elisa and Stephen Bowers. Good morning. Is my mic up? Uh, glad to be here on a beautiful, warm, sunny day in Los Bossy. Angeles. Uh, how are you? How are you, Elisa? Fantastic. Last Saturday, I was hanging out with Frenchies in an awesome market. Frenchies. On Saturday, I'm here. <laughs> Wait, what is Frenchies Awesome Market? Um, <laughs> on Saturdays, uh, maybe they do it on Sundays too, but there's like, <clears throat> like you know just like markets where they have there's in France there's so many middle sections of the street that's made for selling stuff swap meets markets just like produce crepes stands all these little stands filled with stuff all over the city which, which city were you in Paris Paris, Paris. yeah okay Bon Paris and I was think, and they have the awesome thing there with bikes where you it's like a um, a stand that you swipe your credit card in. Velo Libre, right? That's the name of it, isn't it? I don't know. Something like uh, that. The, it's the uh, we, we've talked about this a couple times on the program here, but yeah, uh. you swipe your credit card <laughs> and like uh, and, and you, can you take rent a bike. A bike. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I did it. It was awesome. They hold work. yeah, they hold two hundred dollars or two hundred euros on your card. They hold it, but then once you return the bike, because it's only thirty point thirty, like thirty cents. Right. For every, or maybe it's a euro for every 30 minutes. Yeah, it's one euro every 30 minutes. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, so totally reasonable. And Paris is so small, you only need 30 minutes to get wherever you need to go. Like, it's cheaper than taking, um... Than taking the metro. The metro, exactly. That's awesome. It's so cool. And the bike, they look like they would be motorized, because they are so chunky. They have so much plastic around them. Well, they're not. Well, one one thing that we talked about, uh, and something that actually Brad had brought up, was the was it Brad uh, the the program in the states coming out of Boulder that is a, a bicycle swap program very similar, and it's being sponsored by advertising companies. B cycle, uh, yeah. And uh, the we were wondering, I'm wondering if uh, advertising companies had anything to do with fellow live like was there I didn't see one advertising thing I mean maybe it was but it was very very subtle it's not but in France everything is black and gray and neutral and there's no bright in your face by this type of coffee <laughs> or something you know what I mean I didn't see any advertising around the stations how long were you there for Elisa just five days yeah. do you have a good time amazing that's awesome stupid feel which is mind-blowing in French. <laughs> <laughs> Stupefying, maybe. So, exactly. Okay, we'll come back to, to that in Thanks. just a couple minutes here. But okay. like, uh, let's let's switch over, switch direction. Steve, how are you doing? Doing pretty good. Um, uh, well, yeah, I didn't have a huge amount of time on the saddle myself this week. I had to drive for the job I do. But I did notice some interesting things. Um, there's a annual uh, fun ride to support mobile blood collecting for the Los Angeles Children's Hospital, Los Angeles. 
um, that's expected to have a huge turnout of a thousand bicyclists or more. That's this Sunday or Sunday the twenty sixth, um, the twelfth consecutive year that they're doing this City of Angels fun ride. That's pretty cool. Um, um, it's oops. Let's see. Um, where are they meeting? Uh, I know they're going through a lot of different communities, like Little Tokyo, LA Live, USC, Walt Disney Concert Hall. Where are they meeting? Oh, um, and there's two different levels of, of ride, a more advanced ride and a, uh, and a slower ride. Where are they meeting? Um, gosh. Well, we can, we can look that up. Yeah, let's see. Yeah, it's um, caofunride.com. Um, yeah, caofunride.com. You have to register, uh, which costs $45, but you get lunch and you're automatically entered into a raffle with a chance to win prizes that include bicycles and bike accessories. Um, so, and uh, by the way, there's, um, an advanced ride which rolls at around 15 to 18 miles per hour and stretches for 53 miles. And then there's a 36 mile recreation route that rolls at 10 to 12 miles per hour. This is uh, Sunday, the 26th of April. Okay, so we still have a little bit of time on it. Yeah, That's yeah, yeah. Okay, so next Sunday, if you're looking for something to do, it sounds like you can get out there, stretch your legs, and help benefit the Children's Hospital. Yep. Is that right? Yep, so, Children's yeah. Hospital of Los Angeles. What's the time again? It's, oh uh, gosh, what time? Uh... We're still we're still working on the uh, the meeting and the time, so, uh, so we'll get <laughs> they back to it. They don't say that. what time, um, but I'm sure the website does. Um Oh, and one other quick thing, Jim and, and et al., is that uh, the L.A. Marathon's coming up, and you can ride the route starting as the sun rises. And I've known people to do that and say it's really, really fun. And it's yeah. jam-packed with cyclists. Yeah, it, the, I've done it as well. So last time I did it, there was about 10,000 people yeah. that were on that ride. Yeah. So it does cost some money to ride. Yeah. Uh, I do know people who have... Uh, have gone and done it guerrilla style because it's one of the few times that that section of LA they close all the. It's pretty incredible. You definitely see some things that you usually don't, and there are a whole lot of people out there doing it and supporting you. So it's yeah. a good time. Yeah. And wait, what day is that? What day is the marathon? You know, I, I, um, I, uh, it's Memorial Day, um, which is May twenty fifth this year, um, and I think that's probably a Sunday, but I'm not sure. It's usually Sunday when I think they hold it, but it's May 25th. Cool. All right. So that's definitely something to keep on the radar. Yeah. Also, this uh, this weekend we have uh, Velocity, the race series down that's happening. It's uh, basically a, a messenger city bike race series that was started uh, by Squid and his crew, the uh, the Cycle Hawk crew in New York, and they've spread it all around the country uh, every year. One messenger, one male, one female messenger wins uh, tickets to the Cycle Messenger World Championships. That's going on this weekend, and we're going to have one of the promoters, one of the LA's promoters, Megan Dean, calling us probably about 10:15 to help give us in on that. Well, any time now. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, that's uh, that's definitely coming up, um, and there there are going to be. Gold sprints, uh, which are roller races tonight, uh, then and there's also going to be an alley cat tonight, and then tomorrow I know there's going to be some track racing out at Encino Velodrome, and there are kids, there are already kids here from Philadelphia to take part in this, so wow. like pretty pretty big event. Um, also, let's see, last weekend there was was it last weekend? My weekends are getting mixed up here, 
was last weekend the Long Beach Fest? No, that was two weeks ago. Uh, so hopefully we'll be able to get in touch with Josh, one of the guys who is doing the roller races tonight, and he'll give us a little, fill us in a little bit. I don't know if you guys heard anything about it. We did hear a little bit. Um, Dorothy was telling us about the, I guess it's the Long Beach Bike Festival, was it? Um, but, yeah, she, I believe, was telling us a little bit about that. She has some role in promoting it. So, anyway. All right. And it looks like we got Megan Dean on the phone. Megan, how are you doing? I'm well, and yourself? I'm doing fantastic. Um, was hoping that maybe you could tell us a little bit about Velocity, which is going on this weekend. Yeah, it's... Uh now in its fourth year, this is the third year it's been in L.A. We uh, we missed a year somewhere in there. Um, but it started out uh, Squid from New York. He's a big messenger. He's been around. He's worked in lots of cities. Really good guy. He uh, decided that he was going to start the fellow city tour to try and get initially messengers on the track, and now it's kind of expanded into messengers and city bikers. Um being a pretty equal showing at the at the racing, but so we're doing an alley cat tonight um, as a kickoff that's ending up at a party, um, and then tomorrow we're doing track racing, which is where the main event is is on the track. Uh, top male and top female messenger this year are winning tickets to New York. For finals for Velocity because we now have seven cities instead of the usual three. Right. Um, and the winner from New York will get tickets to the Tokyo uh, Cycle Messenger World Championships. Well, that's a that's a pretty good ticket there. Yeah, I, yeah, tickets to New York. No one can complain about that. Yep. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Uh, and so that's going on. Uh, that's going on tomorrow. Is the are the races at the track, right? At the track. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, t- today there's an Alley Cat. Is that right? Yeah, at 6 p.m. there's an alley cat starting at Echo Park Lake. Um, it's been called Help, I Need a Doctor. <laughs> that tells you anything. Um, and the finish is going to be somewhere around 8 p.m., um, but we're going to start kicking the party off at 8 at Chipperaki, which is at 1637 North Spring. Um, it's out kind of at the end of Nauta Cornfield as you're headed out of Chinatown towards Lincoln Heights. Is there any um, way that I can find any information about this online anywhere? Yes, it is at bikeswarm.org. Okay, bikeswarm.org, okay. Yeah, it's got all the local information on it. All right, um, and I know there are some people coming in from out of town. Have you uh, heard heard from anyone, heard how many, how many cities are going to be present this year? Um, I know for sure there's a handful of cars coming from San Francisco, San Diego is a maybe. They've got a velo swap at their velodrome this weekend, so uh, they might be here tomorrow. Uh, and there's some Vegas kids driving out, so it should be should be a lot of out-of-towners, hopefully a lot of locals. That'll be awesome. Okay. Um, also, Megan, se- separate side note, I saw you down at the... Uh, the bike show in San Diego uh, a couple of weeks ago, the hand-built bike show, bike show in San Diego, um, and it looked like uh, your bikes looked amazing. We we had you on the show yeah. for Bike Talk, one of the first women bike talks, and I wanted to just see what kind of feedback you got out there. Um, it was great. I had a really great weekend. I was definitely not sure what to expect out of it because I've never exhibited, um, and I've only been to a couple of the handmade North American hand-built shows, 
Um, so for me, just getting to hang out with the local San Diego guys, which consists of like Bruce Gordon, Joe Bell, Brian Bayless, um, and then of course Richie Dita, who introduced me to all those guys. Um, so it was it was totally overwhelming. I got to hang out with a lot of really experienced train builders and got a lot of good feedback from guys that have been doing this for years. Some of them built for Mossy when they were in San Diego. Right. You know, it's, and then from people as far as building bikes and on a more local scene, I had met a lot of new people from LA even that I'd never never come across and didn't didn't know that I was here. So it was great for me. That's awesome. Uh, did you, did you line up any any work out of it? Did it help you out that way? Um, I'm definitely doing a trade with someone. Um, we worked out a labor trade. Uh, with with someone local, and I've talked to a couple people since coming home about building a couple bikes up. So that's awesome. I couldn't have asked for much more. That, well, good job. Uh, the bikes looked great, and uh, and did do you think that overall the show was a success down there? Yeah, everyone was really happy with it. Uh, the guys from Velocult put the, put in a lot of work promoting it, so they were really happy with the turnout. All the builders got a lot of good feedback. There wasn't. There wasn't any, like, disaster. The seminars were even really good. They were really nice and small and very intimate. So we got to hang out with Brian Bayless doing, you know, hand-carved lugs, and it was it was great. Everyone had a really good time. That's awesome. That's really good to hear. They're going to do it again, I suppose, then. They are definitely doing it again next year, and hopefully for them it'll be a little bit bigger venue. They'll have some more exhibitors, some new people. I think they want to keep it as a very, very welcoming show. So they had, you know, a handful of new builders that have never been to a show before, like myself, as, along with the old guys, and they want to keep it that way. That's awesome. Well, cool, Megan. Thank you very much for the the report. Congratulations on the uh, on getting the bikes down there and getting some work lined up. And once again, bikeswarm.org, right? Yes. Bikeswarm.org to find out about Velo City. And uh, Velo City is going on this weekend, Saturday, today, 6. 6 o'clock is the Alley Cat help? The Alley Cat, yeah, at Echo Park Lake at the Boathouse. Oh, I need a doctor. And then yeah. uh, and then tomorrow at, uh, what time is, is everything getting started over at the Encino Velo? We're starting registration at 11 a.m. at Encino tomorrow. Okay. We are going to do some basic track skills with everyone that, that either is a refresher or for new people. And then start the racing by one. And this is going to be this is going to be open to city bikers as well as messengers. This is not. Yep. To open to everyone, even uh, without track experience. Awesome. Okay. And uh, will there be bikes available there for rent? Yes. Okay. Fantastic. That sounds that sounds great. Well, Megan, thanks a lot for uh, for helping for helping out with to put on the Velo City uh, race again this year. And good luck in the future with uh, Moth Attack. No thanks, Jim. Okay. Talk to you later. Megan Dean with Bike Swarm locally here, um, and that I guess that's the scoop on Velo City this weekend. Incidentally, Jim, what's an alley cat? <laughs> an alley cat. Basically, an alley cat is like a, a bicycle treasure hunt. So uh, you hop on your bike, you got to run around from point to point, either look for things or sometimes do tasks, or other times just get checkpoints. So cool. 
Would Cranksgiving be considered an alley cat? Yeah, Cranksgiving is definitely an alley cat. Yeah. Cool. So Cranksgiving might be the longest-running alley cat in Los Angeles at the moment, and it's based off of an even longer-running alley cat, and I believe that one was started in New York City. So, yeah. mm-hmm. Great event. And we have just been joined by Brad. Is it Gavigan? Yes. Gavigan. Super fan. Otherwise, I'm a super fan. How are you, Brad? Just like to say a few words to you. No, we'll we'll be tapping into Brad's um, wealth of knowledge. Sir. We have an interview with Brad, actually. Okay, we, yeah. Let's uh, let's go to this interview that we have with Brad Gavigan, super fan, also uh, also a purveyor of fine toolage. Yes. <laughs> Soon to be. Soon to be a purveyor of fine toolage. Uh, so anyway, uh, we're gonna we're gonna go to that interview, and we'll be back with you in just a minute. Okay, so I'm here with Brad Gavigan, our super fan. Brad, I heard that you had a, quote, torturous experience getting your bikes painted. Can you tell me about your bikes and why it was a, quote, torturous experience? I am working on two bikes right now that I'm, one I'm restoring and one is more of a custom bike. And I had a bike painted last year, I think it was was about a year ago for my dad. It's an old Schwinn. And I had a local guy paint it and did a really nice job. He's lived up in the valley here in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. And on these bikes, I tried to contact him, and I couldn't get through to him, so I decided to kind of go the commercial route. Mm-hmm. So the first play, the first bike is a, it's a 1984 Pinarello. It's a model record, beautiful old Italian racing bike, steel frame. Mm-hmm. And that I wanted to do a straight restoration. Okay. And the second bike is a, is a Cielo, C-I-L-O, and it was a factory in Switzerland mm-hmm. that made really nice frames. Uh, this one I actually inherited from my uncle. He bought it new in the 70s in Michigan. And... The Silo factory was in Switzerland. They, they built very nice bikes, and then I guess at one point out in the late 70s or early 80s, they moved their production overseas like a lot of other companies, and the quality kind of fell. Eventually, the company folded, and from what I understand, somebody in the family that owns Silo is now, I believe, an apparel designer with either Pearl Izumi or the Japanese company. But anyway, getting back to the topic, the Silo, it had... 10-speed dropouts in the back, took the, changed the dropouts out myself, put track dropouts in, packaged the two bikes up, and sent them off to get painted. The first place I had called was on the East Coast. It's called the Color Factory, and I'd found their ad in the back of, I think, Velo News. Sent them off to the Color Factory. I, well, before I sent them off, I sent them an email, had pictures of the bikes, pictures of kind of what I wanted done with the paint. Uh, the second bike's real, the Silo, was a really simple paint job, red and white. They looked over everything, said, yeah, it looks great, send it in. So I sent it in. I got a message back about a week and a half later. They had gotten the bikes, and I guess they sat around and took a vote and decided they didn't want to do it. Now, what is the story with that? Why would a professional bike painting company... Well, what they explained to me was that they do mostly contract work. It sounded to me like maybe they had a lot of big orders in, and a smaller custom, like a high detail, smaller custom order just wasn't what they were, I don't know. I'm not really sure. I'm not sure if it was too complicated. Although I had sent all the photos in advance, so they kind of knew what they were getting into. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Pinarello is kind of complicated, but the other one was pretty simple. But for whatever reason, they, they took a vote. <laughs> it's sort of a democratic process, I guess. The guys, all the guys sit around, they take a look at the different projects, and they decided they didn't want to, they didn't want to deal with it. Mm-hmm. And I think they were concerned that I was going to be too picky, which I really wasn't. I, you know, I just wanted a nice paint job. Mm-hmm. And the paint job on the, Pinarellas originally from Italy is not that great. So they well, recommended... What, what paint shot did you want? What did you ask for? Can you no, it's just on it? the Pinarello. It was just a restoration. And there's some areas where the chrome shows through, and then it's a metallic blue paint. There's some decals that have to be applied. Um, there's a little bit of masking and all that, but I already had the bike chromed. All that was done. So really it was just a question of masking it, getting the blue paint on, 
applying the decals and then a clear coat. You know, it didn't seem that complicated. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so they recommended a company here in California called Cycle Art in Vista, California. They offered to ship the frames at, at no charge to this other place. And so I said, okay. And I did the same thing. I sent an email to Cycle Art saying, okay, look, this is the job and everything else. They said, yeah, no problem. This is what we specialize in. I'm like, okay, great. Just to go back, the first place, the Color Factory, had in their ad, the paint, the bike paint jobs, like the base price is $169. Mm-hmm. So I knew it was a little more complicated. There were going to be some other things like putting on decals and things. And, and that was cool. I didn't mind paying some upcharges. Plus shipping. You had, to, you had to ship it up there, right? Yeah, and I had to ship it, which I think was 60 I packed them both in one box, which was kind of nice, and and sent it up. I think it was 50 or $60. So then, so now they've, they've paid to move them across the country, which is nice. And then I get a, qu- a quote about a week and a half later from Cycle Art, and the Pinarello, they quoted $1,000. And the even Jeez. simpler bike, I think they quoted more. I think it was 1100 or $1,200. Well, there so, must... There must have been some confusion there because if they're going to pay to ship it across the country, that's like almost more right there, I would think, than what they originally quoted. If they said what, one hundred and sixty-eight? Well, that's yeah, that's kind of their base price is one hundred and sixty-nine dollars, yeah. and the additional things that I wanted cost a little bit more. But I mean, all in, it probably would have been, you know, two hundred, two fifty. I wasn't quite sure what to expect because it's hard. It's the sort of thing where they have to take a look at it and make a quote. You, it's not like a little checklist where you just go down. So anyway, so they sent it to Cycle Art, and then I get these crazy quotes. Like, to have both bikes painted, like, $2,200. Hmm. I didn't have $2,200. Mm-hmm. So I said, you know, is there any, you know, are there any things we can change? I'm like, that's really, I mean, $1,000. I think I could paint 10 cars at Earl Scheib for $1,000. <laughs> yeah. And to make matters worse, unfortunately, they were kind of rude. Hmm. And I got some information from, from my local bike shop later, and they sort of said, you know, they do really, really great work, hmm. but they are expensive. Hmm. You know, and they have sort of a bit of an attitude that can sometimes come with, you know, with doing good work, I guess. Hmm. But I didn't have any patience for attitude. So I just said, you know what, go ahead and, and hold on to them and I'll come down and pick them up. Because I was headed down there anyway, ironically. So I went down and I picked them up. And so now at this point, you know, I've spent all the money on shipping. It's been a month and I've, I'm no further from than where I started. Hmm. So I got online and I did some searching and I found, um, ended up going with two different places on the Pinarello Restoration I found a guy up in Grants Pass, Oregon, called Keith Anderson, mm. and he makes frames, uh, I think under his own name, Keith Anderson Frames, but he's spending most of his time now doing bike painting. And I saw the, the bikes on his website. I gave him a call. Great, great guy. Just great attitude. We talked a lot about price. I actually sent him the quotes I'd gotten from CycleArt because it was kind of a line-by-line. Line. You know, this is what it, what they had estimated all the work mm-hmm. that needed to be done ended up giving me a, a what I thought was a relatively fair price for the amount of work that was going to go into it. For the CeeLo, I managed to get a hold of the guy that had painted the bike for my dad a year ago. And he was great, too. He he lives right here in Los Angeles. I think on the first bike, he charged me like 125 or something, and that was for everything. And I think on this one, it was a little more complicated, and there was some masking. So he said about $200. But it's a really, he'll, I know he'll do a great job. And I pick it up, I think, in about a week. Hey, that's a happy ending. Yeah, so they're both almost done, got all the work done. But the process of, you know, kind of jumping through the hoops of finding someone to paint a bike. I've had bikes powder-coated, too, in the past. Um, and I don't know. I just kind of wanted to go paint. I thought paint was sort of, uh, I mean, I, I like the idea of powder-coating. You know, they they charge the bike. Uh, they put an electrical charge on the bike, and then they spray this powder in, and it it all sticks to the metal, and then they heat it up, and it and it forms this bond. It's sort of a, a dry paint, they call it. Mm-hmm. But there's something just nice about old school spraying it on. Mm-hmm. So, 
Is there something about durability that a powder coat has that paint might not be as good with? Well, there's two. There's a couple issues. The or why do they powder coat and why do they paint? Powder coating is really durable, but it's also very hard. My understanding is that powder coating doesn't have a lot of flex, whereas traditional auto paint, I believe, is m- more flexible. So powder coating is prone to chipping, whereas regular paint is more prone to things like scratching. Hmm. So there really is no perfect, you know, there's really no perfect answer. The, but the, um, the look is different? Well, yeah, the powder coating can is tends to be a little bit thicker or can tend to be a little bit thicker. I've seen some powder coating online, and I'm trying to remember where I saw it, where they can do things like masking and things like that and get an unbelievable finish. But again, I'm, I'm thinking you'd have to pay quite a bit of money for that. Well, thank you, Brad, for coming in today and talking to us about bike painting experiences. My pleasure. I'll let you know how they turn out. Please, yeah, we'll have you back. Thanks. Okay. And that was Brad talking, talking a little bit about uh, his painting experience. We've got Brad here in the uh, in the studio. How are you doing today, Brad? I'm doing well. How are you, Jim? Fantastic. Uh, I just got back into town. We were we were talking a little bit during that break. I got just got back into town from Moab, where I was doing some mountain biking, which is pretty amazing. We're going to segue a little bit into mountain biking here because because uh, we do have a, a reporter out in the field. But Moab is incredibly beautiful, like uh, one of the those those places that's considered a mecca for, for mountain biking. Yeah, I was going to say, it's sort of a lunar, a beautiful lunar landscape almost, yeah. just stone and sky. Crazy. It's, pink it's stone. incredible. Yeah, pink, red, all different colors when the sun goes down, the arches in the background. Uh, right now, this week is, is a pretty incredible week for mountain biking. It's sea otter up in uh, northern California, up in Monterey. And uh, sea otter is probably one of the largest bicycle mountain bike festivals that there is and right now we have uh, i think dorothy wong who does uh our uh who does ladies bike talk here and did ladies bike talk last weekend she's up there at, at sea otter and i think she's standing next to a pretty special person hi how is everybody great great uh, we're here. I'm here, everybody, and I wish you could join us. We are here in Monterey, California, at the Sea Otter Classic that's been going on for, we think, at least 20 years. We can't even remember. Um, but we've got over 50,000 crazy cyclists from all over the country uh, on bicycles and watching bicycles. Lots of racing, lots of fun activities. Wish you guys were here. Thanks. Yeah, I I tried to invite people, but um, <laughs> you know, I I actually didn't send the email. I'm sorry. That's okay. So anyway, yeah. I just happened to bump into an amazing guy. I am standing here under the Gary Fisher Subaru tent, and I actually found somebody named Barry, <laughs> and uh, he is quite the pioneer of cycling, um, and uh, so. Gary, what do you think, um, what is your feeling about being here at Sea Otter? Well, it's mostly like uh, a get-together of everybody in the industry. People show up from all over the world. This is uh, where the world comes to Northern California and hangs out and snoozes. You know, so it's got to be fun because I've got, you know, I've been in this industry since I was a teenager, so I know a lot of people here. So I'm having a good old time. Awesome, and Gary is still styling as ever. Um, <laughs> Gary, what do you think uh, about uh, 
Uh, the bikes that are out here today, the people, uh, has there been a, a big change? Is there kind of a big growth in, in cycling? Well, it's sort of funny. I mean, you've got, like, this is sort of the racer set. People that love to go fast on a bike. And the other part of the industry that's, like, just off the hook and growing is uh, it's about bikes that do things and uh, uh, replace that thing that's sitting in the driveway. And you've got a lot, of, a lot of those people here saying, like, boy, uh, maybe we want more of that represented uh, or maybe a different event in the city or something. So there's a lot of thought about that. And then, um, you know, the sun is shining. So we're loving life. And you go outside of this big autodrome here, which is, you know, this big race car track where they hold this thing. And it's beautiful. I mean, the flowers are coming out. I mean, it's just like perfect, you know. So we've been riding every day. And uh, I've been riding with two ladies that sell ads for Momentum Magazine, which was founded in Vancouver and is rapidly expanding across this nation. And it was their very first mountain bike ride. And they were great. They mastered uh, these trails, period. They rode everything, and they want to do it again. So we're going to go do that in a little bit. I'm going to hand you back. <laughs> this is great. And um, there is so much to do here. There are fun road rides. There are fun mountain bike rides organized by the Sea Otter uh, promotional staff. There is uh, gravity uh, racing. There is cross-country mountain bike racing. I raced uh, the road circuit race on Laguna Seca Racetrack, zooming down the corkscrew, uh, just left cars do on my bicycle. That was lots of fun. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So um, uh, we're having a great time here. Um, do you guys want to – you have any questions for Gary? Yeah, I would love to ask Gary a couple questions. Okay, I'm going to hand the phone back to Gary. Hey, Gary, how are you doing? Good. Um, I, I know you're an incredible pioneer in, in mountain biking. You uh, not only helped to help to put mountain biking on the on the face of in, in the mainstream, but you also you also made a lot of revolutionary changes in it. You introduced 29 inch wheels uh, to well, really to to bikes for mass consumption, and uh, and I'm wondering what you think what you see in the future of, of mountain biking. Well. Mountain bikes, um, there's a lot of energy going into them. You know, uh, there's more and more change than there's ever been before. But uh, I've been pushing really hard for just more longevity in the mountain bike, that the, the gearing and that uh, all the cables and whatnot, everything uh, just lasts longer. Yeah. You know, that you don't have to have as much uh, repair, that sort of thing. But um, the big growth is the whole urban side. You know, the whole what's going on in the cities. And I look at, like, uh, you know, all the bikes that have been pulled out and refurbished by all the different bike kitchens across the country and people that have learned everything bike. It's amazing. And what's different now than what happened in the 70s when we had the gas war in 73 is now there's an incredible body of knowledge that's possessed here. Right. And there's so many people that know about bikes that, you know, <laughs> It's wonderful, you know, that have worshipped and studied bike. But we're running out of all those old bikes, the used bike thing. There are people from East Coast, West Coast that come to the Midwest and mine bikes and bring them back. And bikes that, like, sold originally for 450 bucks in the 80s and 90s are now being sold 
on the east and west coast for 650 bucks. Yeah. You know, it's crazy. So as an industry, you know, we're gearing up to, like, make more bikes that uh, that last, and that uh, perform, and that do the thing you want to do in an urban environment, you know, that, that haul things back and, uh, you know, that you can skinny through traffic and um, that you can take upstairs. And that, that, that's the big study. Yeah. But the mountain bike scene is alive and well. You know, there's a lot of pe- people here riding mountain bikes. The road bike scene is great, you know, as a bike company. Oh boy, things are great. We're in the right business, and uh, we're taking cautious approaches. You know, we cut back on everything this year a little bit, yeah, uh, financially. But it's insane. We keep selling more bikes, and every every month, this guess what? We sold more bikes than last year. <laughs> well, you know, I, I've I've seen you out there putting in your research. I've seen you at a couple of Alley Cats. We talked about Alley Cats earlier. I've seen you at a couple of Alley Cats, and yeah. I know you were at the World, the Messenger World Championships in New York a few years ago. Yeah, and, uh, well, it's, you know, I mean, it's going off. I mean, L.A. really freaks me, you know. The, the scene there has grown so explosively. And, you know, you think about it uh, in terms of transit, it's a pressure cooker. Yeah. And so you're going to have, and you got a, an awful lot of creative minds there. So things are going to happen. I'm watching Los Angeles. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, it was, uh, we, we actually had you down here for the premiere of... Uh, Clunkers, right? Uh, yeah, and that, that was, was a good time. Yeah, that was amazing. I, yeah. I, thanks a lot for for actually coming by, with, coming through with that. Yeah. Um, I also wanted to talk to you a little bit about one last thing here. Uh, I want to talk about trips for kids. Yeah. I know that you are uh, really you you've worked a lot with them, and uh, it's an incredible program. We don't have a very solid chapter here in Los Angeles, but uh, I, I was wondering if you could maybe explain what it is and what kind of role you have in it? Uh, Trips for Kids was founded over 20 years ago by Marilyn Price in San Rafael, California. Trips for Kids takes inner city kids at risk and takes them on a mountain bike experience. A lot of these kids have never been beyond a four-block radius. Yeah. Take these kids out in nature, and it's like a completely new experience. You know, they're like blown away that this stuff exists. They're blown away that they can actually pedal a bike from the top of the hill and everything. And it's a... Uh, it's a real transformative thing that happens for kids. It's been uh, wildly successful in Marin County, and Maryland has uh, formed chapters in, I believe, about 70 different uh, cities in North America now. So it's, it, it's really rocking. You know, and Maryland's here at this event, you know, and um, she's been working uh, uh, in the industry, and I've been on their board for some time. Right. Um, but they're they're an incredible organization. They really are. Well, they really like do to, a lot. I'd like to thank you very much for sponsoring them. I know you've been a sponsor of theirs for years, and uh, and for everything that you've done for the cycling and, and mountain bike industry. Well, thanks. I mean, and I'm I'm totally excited. I mean, there's stuff going on now in the bike industry that you know we never dreamt of before. Um, you know, there's such enthusiasm and and people you know taking back the streets and uh, living a life. And being human, you know, and um, riding bikes, and it's something I think a lot of us in the bike industry have dreamt about, you know, all our lives. And it's finally, finally coming true. I've, I've got one last quick question for you here, Gary. Like for a lot of people in in this room, you're you're kind of a mentor. You're somebody that we look up to. And I was wondering, who it is that you look up to? Uh, oh boy, there's a lot. I mean, I go to this uh, one. Um, 
when I stay in uh, Madison, Wisconsin, because that's where the uh, mothership um, lives, I stay at the uh, uh, at this one hotel that both Gandhi and Elvis have stayed at. And I think, oh man, this is cool. <laughs> so I don't know. I mean, there's a, I, I feel like there's heroes in everybody. You know, you learn something. There's something to be learned from almost anybody you speak to. A lot of time, it's just a uh, it's a real thing to slow down and listen and learn to you know, ask the questions in the seven different ways so that you finally sort of figure out what the heck you're really talking about. <laughs> right. But, I, you know, I think that's given me the most in my life is being able to do that and um, slow down and, and try to figure it out. Well, thank you so much for, right. for your interview today here, and I, and I hope you have an incredible time uh, up in Seattle this year. Thank you. I wish you All the right. best. Thanks, you guys. See you there. See you. Thanks. Not sure if we're getting dot. And I'm not sure, but I think we may be getting dot back here. No. No, it looks like we lost her. Okay, I'm gonna go back here live to the microphones. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Gary Fisher is. Well, I mean, you see Gary Fisher bicycles are out there, and he's one of the one of the greats. Really, and. When we talk about when I was talking with him about trips for kids, really, I mean, he's done a lot to help promote the sport of cycling, uh, mountain biking, uh, urban cycling, everything. I mean, he's been he's definitely had his fingers kind of in everything. Uh, if you if you are interested at all in the history of mountain biking, there was a uh, there was a documentary uh, came out two years ago called Clunkers, uh, done by a local guy here by the name of Billy Savage. And he uh, he got a chance to go up there and interview Bill, Gary Fisher, uh, Joe Breeze, Tom Ritchie, just some of the guys who are, were real pioneers in mountain biking. And basically what they were doing was taking uh, these these beach cruisers. Uh, they had a ton of them. They would weld different different supports onto them and just go up and bomb hills. Like they would walk them up up mountains and then just bomb down these fire roads, and they they had races to see who could go the fastest, and this was all just screwing around in their spare time. So, uh, and it's really amazing to see how mountain biking has progressed since then. You know, we we talked a, a probably three months ago now, maybe even a little bit more with um, with Jim Sayer from Adventure Cycling Association, and Adventure Cycling Association has now mount. Now mapped a complete route from Canada to Mexico that is 85% off road. So to to see to see something that has gone from uh, kids screwing around just north of San Francisco with these cruiser bikes to what was for a while the largest market of bicycles being sold, mountain bikes, and in the United States, and now to transportation routes. A, a, from north to south through the country, uh, it's pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it sounds like you, to hear him talk, he could hardly be happier with the way things are evolving. You know, he just, he said, he kind of described it as kind of being beyond his dreams, sort of, just how accepted and pervasive Vikings becoming. Yeah. I remember, this is Brad, I, I remember getting my first mountain bike. I think it was... 1989, 1990, bought a Cannondale, 
in New York City at Larry's. It was Larry's Bike Shop or something like that. And was growing up in Arizona at the time, so brought the bike back with me. And I remember the energy and enthusiasm, you know, as mountain biking was coming on the scene, especially in Arizona had some really unique conditions. That it was a wonderful place for to be out on a, on a mountain bike. And I have to say that now with everything that's going on in sort of in urban cycling, it's the closest I've felt to that enthusiasm and that spirit that Gary talked about. You know, there's really cool things happening right now. Yeah. And this is the closest I've felt to what it felt like back then. You know, one of, one of the things that's, that we, when you talk about the spirit, one of the things that is was really great about that time is that all of that, all the mountain biking that was happening, everything that was going on, there there was not a whole lot of commercial dollars being thrown at it. I mean, it was basically a, a feeling of you're going out there and this is you doing it. And you're in your jeans, you're in your T-shirt, you know. There, at that point, there weren't uh, the late 80s, early 90s. You didn't have all of these clothes that were specifically for doing this. And, uh, you know, it, it, it just felt very much like you were breaking new ground all the time. And that's definitely where we are Sort with urban cycling in a way, so uh, like I, I, I do feel like we we do have the kind of this exact same spirit of the early mountain bike early mountain bikers, and uh, yeah, I mean I, I think it's fantastic. I'd agree with that. There, there was not much of a commercial aspect. You know, there were a handful of bike brands that had some street cred, and then as far as the riding went, yeah, it was just any shoes you had in, in toe clips and. You know, there, it wasn't about fancy components or anything. It was basically about hanging out with your friends and having a really good time. And I'm I'm really amazed that this whole urban cycling thing has managed to stay so low profile as long as it has. That because it, it's been so common in the last you know two decades that the minute something interesting starts to happen, that it just gets commercialized overnight and starts showing up in movies and and all over the place. And and this has really managed to stay. And I don't know how long it'll stay that way, but really kind of low-key. When it comes to, I mean, we're talking about with everything here, too, uh, the X Games. Like, BMX uh, has a lot of money behind it now. It is now a, an Olympic sport. You know, BMX racing is an Olympic sport. Freestyle biking has has a lot of money behind it now. It's in the X Games, and it's the there are all these extreme things. It's still... Cycling, like in BMX and freestyle, still has not managed to get the same kind of support, the same kind of commercial recognition. I think that skateboarding has. <clears throat> Where if you look through like a Thrasher magazine these days, every every third page is a, a page of content. The other the other two are are ads, you know. So uh, we still don't have we haven't gotten to that point, but it is there is still a lot of money being thrown into trying to capture the attention of the youth culture riding BMX capture the attention of the extreme culture riding these mountain bikes downhill. And uh, with road bikes, it really, Lance Armstrong did a lot to popular, popularize road bikes again. But what that did is that, that brought it to the attention of, once again, of, of marketers. And it, that brings us right back into the, the thoughts of, of marketing on bicycles. And... Uh, like I, I, I do know we we've talked about this a little bit in uh, in Denmark. There they have a, a bicycle share program with with the uh, and I, I they have wheel covers with ads on it and B Cycle. We talked about this and I think B Cycle is a marketing company. Is that right? 
Yeah, B-Cycle, and we're still working on getting an interview with Alex Bogusky from Crispin Porter Bogusky, but it's a collaboration between Trek Bicycles, Humana Healthcare, and uh, Trek Bicycles, Humana Healthcare, and, an, and a really progressive ad agency called Crispin Porter Bogusky. So we're working on getting out, getting Alex on the line uh, to to tell us more about the about the program. We've been trying to arrange it. He's a busy guy, but uh, it looks like we should be able to make something happen in the next week or two. Um, and not to get too far off track, but the city of Los Angeles has got sent out a request for information regarding a bike sharing program. And I went down to the meeting of the bicycle advisory committee last. I think it was last week. And Larry Hoffman had invited me. He's on the show quite a bit. And that. They were requesting bike sharing people to come in and submit information, uh, sort of a letter of interest. And B Cycle is one of the one of the groups that did submit for the city of LA. That's awesome. So she's looking. I talked to the woman who's I think sort of in charge of that. Her name is Michelle. I believe Michelle it's Mallory. Mallory. Yeah. yeah, really, really dynamic woman. Uh, it's great to see that we have someone like that representing cyclists in the city. Uh, she said it's going to take her a couple weeks to get through all of those. But I sent her an email just on Friday. Because the B cycle guys confirmed with me that they did submit, and then I sent an email off to her asking how many other companies there were. Because I'm I don't even know how many bike sharing programs. I'm not aware of that many here. So it'd be really interesting to see, you know, if we get some kind of response back from her. And I asked her also when that information would go public, you know, so that we could find out more. I mean, if there's actually different groups competing, you know, for this market. In this sense, I think it would be good. Yeah, I agree. Um, and with Alisa, you want to. Tell us a little bit about the Velolib, which uh, you actually got a chance to ride in Paris. Yeah. First person that I know from, not not from France, who's, who's been able to make that thing work. Yeah, I wouldn't take my credit card. Really? How'd you get on it? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they fixed something. Totally worked. It was yeah. amazing. Yeah. Um, she could afford the deposit. That's what <laughs> yeah. it was, Brad. <laughs> <laughs> I was crossing my fingers. I was sweating a little bit. Um, but uh, I didn't see any ads. Like, there wasn't... There weren't any on the post. It's like a neutral. It's like it's like clay colored plastic over these over the wheels. Maybe that's meant for ads to go on in the near future. I don't know. But uh, it was. But they're very low key. Very plain. Now you you were talking a little bit about the fact that uh, Paris is actually doing some road sharing. Uh, right. Can you tell us a little bit about that? So. Uh, so I stayed with people that are, well, one's from Paris, born and raised, and the other one's just from the north, like a different city in France. Um, but they've lived in Paris for a long time together, and they were talking about, and and I'm the pretty stereotypical loud American. So, I mean, just in the loud part, everything else I'm not American. <laughs> I try not to be, um, <laughs> but. But I am super loud, and I definitely embarrass them on more than one occasion. But they, I was saying, why, why do, why do, why are there hard feelings between France and America? And they were like, oh, it's not necessarily the people so much as it is the government, because, and also in that, and also with the people, they're way more individualistic. Like they'll wear sweats to to college, you know, and. And in France, it's a group effort. You go with as a group. You're going to dress up and be presentable, even if you go to the post office, even if you go to the grocery store. Nothing, you know, like for anything, you're gonna look nice, and everybody does. And um, and so as a collective, um, they also the government uh, pushed rollerblading 
for some reason, because it's awesome being a fruit booter. <laughs> um, and on Friday nights, they block off the streets that go around Paris, and they rollerblade. Um, it's like a three-hour thing, and then the cyclists are obviously invited as well, but they're in the back, so they don't knock over the rollerbladers. But um, and there was even I even have a photo of um, cops on rollerblades, which is kind of hilarious. It's like cops on horses in L.A. Like really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Really funny, but it was awesome. You know, like about 11 years ago, I was in Paris, and I did notice that there was a lot of, there were a lot of rollerbladers down at the Seine, down on along the riding along the river there. Right. Uh, I think that's right, isn't it, the Seine River? Yeah. And uh, and so it it is interesting that that they've managed to collectively keep up their <clears throat> their infatuation with the sport of rollerblading. So. And they also, and I was also trying to figure out what there are more of, if there are more like scooters and motorcycles or if there are more bicycles because in different sections, I mean, scooters and motorcycles pretty much take over and park wherever they want on the sidewalk, uh, like around fountains. They just like, they're loaded and, uh, um, but like psych, like bikes, there's still a lot of them, but they're so tiny. You can't really like, they don't overpower every spot available like mo motorcycles and mopeds or uh, scooters do. But I still think that there's definitely more motorcycles than bikes in France. There, it's a close call, though. So I think if you were wondering whether or not the bike scene had gone up, I definitely think that it has, for sure. So really we're talking about, I, I had asked you this earlier, Lisa, we were talking about whether or not bikes were any more pervasive. When I was there 11 years ago, it was mopeds. It was all mopeds. And, really? Uh, there, there were... There were no bikes. I think uh, at the time, I was trying to get in touch with other bike messengers out there, and uh, there was there was listed on the the bike messenger listserv one or two <laughs> like me bike messengers. So well. I, I think that it has gone up. I would hope that it has. Yeah, I, I can say just from being there last spring and trying to find a bike shop in Paris was almost impossible. There's you you go on the internet and you do different searches or try to you know try to find different things. And there's a handful of shops. One of them's way outside the center of the city. There was the one I visited that we just spoke a little about off the air earlier. Uh, great little sort of focusing on fixed gear bikes called, I think it's it's Cyclops, but it's pronounced the French way, like Cyclope or something. Right. And it's a great little shop down in a basement. They don't speak a lick of English, but a ton of heart, as you can tell. And But, yeah, trying to find – I think that cycling requires support. You know, like a shop where you can right. get repairs done and things like that. And I'm sure they're ha the, the shops have to be there. But they're really hard to find for a city in the size of Paris. Yeah. I feel the same way. I mean, I didn't, you're right, I didn't see any bike shops. And I was only on the metro for, like, to, like, once to get into the middle of the city and then walk. And then at 10 p.m., once to get back. Uh, but otherwise, I was walking all over, or the one time that I biked, because I just wanted to try it. But I knew about the $200 hold, or the 200 euro hold, so that's why I was like, I'm going to do it once, <laughs> I'm going to ride a loop, and uh, and then park it again. Well, there's a reason for that $200 hold, is I've been studying this bike sharing thing. There's some interesting articles that I've been reading about, uh, you know, and kind of prepping for hearing from B-Cycle and finding out who else is in, working on the American market. 
but there's a lot of stories about, uh, unfortunately, they've lost, according to the reports I read about, about half the bikes. What? There's, in the VLIB system, about half the bikes have either come up missing or have been really badly damaged. There's definitely some problems with the system, which I didn't really understand how, in one of the articles it said that the cost of each bike is 400 euros, which I guess sounds real. I guess that would be about $600 American right. for a decent bike. I mean, I'm sure in bulk, though, they must get them cheaper. But they were talking about that the program is, ironically, in France, is even sponsored by an ad agency. It was put together, uh, I know I'm going to slaughter this, but I think it's like J.C. Decau. Mm-hmm. Is, uh, and you see they have mm-hmm. billboards here in the U.S. as well. Right. But they, I guess, got to a point where they approached the city of Paris. I think this was within the last year or two and said, this is too expensive for us to keep up. And from what I read, and I'm a little fuzzy in the details, but something I believe the city agreed to take over the cost of the replacement bikes and maintenance. But I'm not, you know, I'll have to get the, I'll come back with the details. But there were, and then unfortunately there's also, I mean, there's anytime you try to do something great, there's always a handful of people that are just going to really screw it up. Right. And they had these guys that were doing these stunts, sort of extreme stunts, on these bikes and videoing them and putting them on YouTube and basically like trashing the bikes, which not cool, but right. Well, I mean, it's it's going to happen. Like you, you absolutely, gotta, you've got to kind of build that into the uh, into the system. The cost of some replacement parts, you know. So uh, just as long as you don't have any kind of program that actually rewards it, <laughs> the best trick on the Valib bikes wins. Uh, Free Vela bike. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, well, that, that's the part I didn't understand. If you, you know, if you have to use the, if you're identified when you check the bike out, and right. the bike comes back damaged and nobody else gets on it, they got a pretty good idea who did it. I would think, but apparently it's not a perfect program. Right, and that was the other thing I was told to check the bike before before put, putting in what bike I'm taking out to check them out to check like the brakes to see if they actually function, to check the tires, just even little things like that. Because he said the guy, he's the guy that I stayed with and his girlfriend, he also said that sometimes they're, you check a bike out and you're just like, what did I do? What a joke. It's terrible. So. It sure is cool seeing them buzz around the city, though. Because you'll yeah. just be walking down these narrow little alleyways and all of a sudden some beautiful French, older beautiful French woman dressed to the nines goes flying around the corner on a bike. And it's you're true. Like, right on. Yeah. It's very cool. It is. And that's that. Well, that's pretty awesome. That's yeah. actually fantastic. What do we have going on? Oh, uh, we we're going to have uh, Dorothy Wong calling us back in in just a little bit here in another fifteen to twenty minutes with a with a preview of May 9th's women's bike talk. But uh, right now, uh, we'd like to welcome any calls. Our phone number here is two one three two five nine zero nine nine eight. We've been talking. What did I just say? Two one three two five two two one three. Two five two zero nine nine eight, and we've been talking a little bit about bike sharing. We've also talked a little bit about we we spoke earlier with Gary Fisher, and so we've been ba- bouncing kind of all over the place, everywhere from mountain bikes, uh, urban bikes. Brad, before we went into the to the discussion about Paris, you had touched on the skateboarding scene and what had happened. You know what's going on in skateboarding, and it brought back some memories of the first. I was living in Michigan at the time, and I think I must have been maybe 13 or 14. Found my first issue of Thrasher, got my first skateboard, right? And it was the it was again coming back to that. I remembered it was it was that same feeling at the time. It wasn't overly commercialized. There was you know it was a group of people that were really passionate, but it was to some extent under the radar. But starting to starting to really bubble up. Obviously, if I heard about it in Michigan. 
because by the time things got to us, they were, uh, you know, they they had definitely been pretty well cooked out here. But, and then watching that also kind of go through the whole process of being commercialized, and it creates sort of a barrier to entry, you know, for, for younger people, I think, when it gets to a point when you have all these celebrated celebrities doing all these amazing tricks, and a kid has to look at that and then kind of compare himself just getting started. Or herself. Or herself. Yeah, absolutely. Nice socks, by the way. Uh, <laughs> My feet are cold. <laughs> if, if you could just see the layers of argyle here. <laughs> it's awesome. Uh, no. We're, we're wondering if the argyle's French. So, but uh, to from high school. From high school. <laughs> <laughs> so just to get back here a little bit to commercialism, we we had PK Ripper uh, on the show a few. Well, month ago maybe damn i remember that bike yeah he from made my bmx days amazing oh. had an amazing bike with se yeah. racing yeah and he was talking about it and he was saying that there it it is hard it is hard it's harder when you have these sensationalized people you know it makes it, it makes it seem like the average joe can't break into this precisely you know? yeah so uh and that's one of the things that pk was c- calling for uh perry kramer was actually calling for uh, more people to do more groundwork, getting kids involved in racing and BMX and freestyle stuff, kind of at a grassroots level. And uh, I think it's interesting to see us going back to that. I also, uh, one of the things that I think is going to be really cool is the fact that we've documented some of this now. Like some of the, we've talked with Gary Fisher, we've talked with Tim Blumenthal, we've talked with PK Ripper, Dorothy Wong has, has had some amazing interviews here and we're, we're starting to we're, we're catching this bubble and I, I'm I'm really I wonder what's going to happen to urban cycling in 10 years I wonder if there are going to be five magazines dedicated it, to it monthly and whether or not there are going to be these kings of urban cycling heralded you know and uh, I think it's going to be really cool to to have this show kind of there as as a document of what was happening at the time, and for that, I'd like to thank you a whole lot, Nick, because I think this took a lot of foresight. So, and uh, I'd like to I'd like to talk to you a little bit here too, kind of about what what kind of direction you see this show going in. Um, I was actually talking to Brad about this, and we were Brad was asking about the model because I mean, is it okay to talk yeah, about this? Cool. Um, and you said that you know there's some somebody you know who does. Um, syndication and uh, you know for for radio and you're asking what kind of model I've envisioned right and I was saying um, you know the like the Amy Goodman democracy now type model which is just they they play on all these different radio stations but it's all just public I guess I mean or internet or there's also some talk of there being you know the like an alliance of little bike talks in different different cities you know like a, the portland bike talk the nevada bike talk the well you you actually you keep up with the with our feedback way more than i do so right. I'm, I'm wondering what kind of what kind of response we are getting here and i know it's it's interesting when we have brad here brad gavigan super fan mm-hmm. like basically and and to know that at least one person out there thinks we're we're doing a, a fairly good job yeah. but i'm wondering what kind of feedback we've been getting online and what oh. what are there any kind of, is there any direction that you would like to see us going more, more or less? Um, I think 
Well, one thing feedback we got was I we I asked for flyer contest. Like I said, okay, if you give us your flyers for Kilroy, I mean for a bike talk, and you know Jim Seal give you a prize. <laughs> I sure will. <laughs> <laughs> I I just assumed that you'd, you'd come up with something. Sure. Uh, yes, there there will be a prize involved. And so we got a couple really cool flyers, you know, and that was a really good feeling, you know, that you could that you could get people involved and creatively and, you know, and the flyers are, are really cool, so we're going to use them. I don't know, just more of that, more of the same, I think, you know, M- more calls, more. I think when I, you know, when I discovered it, I heard it once or twice and immediately connected with it. Mm-hmm. And so, and that's when I started offering, you know, I, I think I called Nick or sent an email and just offered, you know, to help and to volunteer if there was some help needed because I'd been sort of looking for something to to contribute to that wasn't, I wasn't going to really stand outside Whole Foods and get signatures for, you know, mm-hmm. amnesty for animals or something. Mm-hmm. So it, no offense to that, but that kind of wasn't my thing. And this was someplace where I felt, you know, this is, there's a great energy in the show. And I wanted to, you know, just, just to lend a hand, basically. And then I guess my questions for Nick, you know, I was trying to, to help kind of spread the word so more people could find us, you know, because I thought it was such an amazing show. And then there was this, and then my other thought was, you know, it was so great. I mean, I wish you had, like, everyone in the country to know about the show and mm-hmm. to be able to hear it live in their local market and call in and ask questions. And that sort of led to the question of, you know, I, you know, what's what path do, do you want to take? Well, real quick, really quickly here to kind of bring us back to Los Angeles, to bring us back to the situation. Los Angeles, in terms of cycling cities, is somewhere in the middle. We're not, we're not Houston, which is extremely car centric does and we are not we're not well what is that we're not boulder we're mm-hmm. not we're not portland you know so we're somewhere in mm-hmm. the middle and i think we represent for the majority of the united states we represent a fairly good uh litmus test if you would like I mean, of what's weird, going on in a weird way i feel like part of the city is houston and i feel like another part of the city mm-hmm. is more like portland and mm-hmm. you know it's almost like 10 cities here yeah and which is kind of neat because you can you almost get the benefit of being able to go to the city next door and go on a great ride through Chinatown. Yeah. You know, with some folks or mm-hmm. you know, you can go up and do the Wolf Pack or you can come out to Santa Monica and ride in your full spandex kit up the PCH with 50 other guys on you know, Saturday or Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I and I, I think I agree with you on that. I do agree with you. I think that in that way it it really we really connect more nationally on a national level with a lot of different places and I would love to see I'd love to see more people kind of gravitate well the one thing I thought was interesting or the interesting comparison going back to skateboarding is I grew up skateboarding and in a sense it was a method of transportation but only within a very small circle whereas the kids I see now the young kids I see you know they're building up these bikes these pretty amazing bikes on shoestring budgets Mm -hmm. it gives you so much more mobility you know, if you don't have a car, I mean, you can get you can go 10, 15 miles on a bike and experience different parts of the city and have different options than we had on a skateboard. And that's why, you know, I, I think it's impossible to foresee the future. You know, will it get a little more commercialized? Who knows? You know, maybe, maybe not. But I, I don't see it. There's a functional aspect of it that was lacking in cycling. You know, you could do this your whole life. and I, I'm sorry, in skateboarding. Yeah, you could do this your whole life. And you can ride a bike until you're... Until they put you in the grave, basically, and right. it's in that sense, it's a different thing. Right now, yeah. I'd like to invite any callers listening, any anybody listening, to put give your feedback. 
Give us your input, 213-252-0998. We're live at Kill Radio right now. Uh, we are. We do have, I think, options to start recording at the KPFK studios. Yeah. So there we're, may be... We're already doing it. Yeah. Thursday nights. So there, there will probably be some... Uh, some difference in quality, I'm guessing. Uh, yeah, sure. To the editing. Our, the, the thing we just heard with Brad was uh, KPFK. I don't know if you could tell the quality difference. but. So speaking of, speaking of KPFK, I think we have yeah. one more interview. With that, yeah, that Todd from do. the Burrito Project. So uh, can you give us maybe a little bit of background on the Burrito Project, or does he do a fairly good job in the interview? Well, he does a good job. I mean, my understanding is it's burritos delivered on bikes to homeless you know, and it's it's done out of his house, and it's very low overhead, and they just put it in his backpack, and he and he delivers them, you know, a couple times a week. Did he did he mention any of the press that he's gotten from this? Uh, you know, you probably know a little bit more. Well, let's let's take a listen to what what he okay. has to say, and then uh, we'll maybe we can even get him on the phone again here. So. All right. Cool. Here. Okay, Todd, maybe you could just start by just telling me where you're at and what's going on tonight. Okay, I'm in, um, I'm at UCLA Hammy Museum, and there's a bike event here where they have, like, free food and a bike ballet, and they're going to be, we're going to be watching Breaking Away in a little bit. Okay, do they have bike art? Um, no, it's, uh, we're going to watch Breaking Away, it's a movie. Okay, and so, but it's a museum, the Hammer Museum? Oh, are you? Are yeah. you yeah, it's the Hammer Museum. It's in um, Westwood. Okay, and so they got a movie, and what else? They have free food, so they have hamburgers and hot dogs. They're selling beer and some wine. It's probably about, probably about 200, 300 people here right now. There's a bike ballet, so you can ride your bike up and get a, get a, a ticket, and then they'll park your bike for you. And that's done by the LACBC, the Los Angeles Bicycle Coalition. Okay. Um, yeah. There's riders from all different shapes and sizes. Young guys, old guys. I saw recumbent, fixed gear bikes, commuter bikes, hipster kids, older guys. Yeah, how many people do you think? Right now it's just beginning. Like the, the people are just starting to roll in. So I'd have to say there's probably about, maybe about, 200 at the most, but it's hard to tell because right now I'm in like a foyer area. I haven't walked all the way into the back yet. So what do you expect for the rest of the evening? Just the movie and and some more enjoyment? Uh, Movie, and it looks like they got some sound systems set up, so it looks like there might be some music and dancing as most of these bike events end up happening. Okay, so Todd, I also hear that you are co-founder of the Burrito Project. Can you tell yeah. us about that? Yeah, the Burrito Project is a you know group of people. We started off here in L.A. with just uh, two of us, and then slowly went up to like three to four, and then all of a sudden jumped up to where we had like in between 15 and 20 people coming a night. We've been doing it for three years now. We do it once a week. We've missed one week so far. We do about 300 burritos now. We were doing more burritos for a little while, but we weren't carrying waters. We are doing just some Capri Suns here and there. But now we're doing about 300 burritos a week with in between 200 and 250 waters. Where do you do this? We do it out of a house in L.A., and we distribute them pretty much Skid Row downtown. We go everywhere from the bottom of Skid Row, like around Pico, all the way up to Playa Vera, which is like at the top of downtown. 
and we, we start from the pretty much from the Staples Center and go all the way out past Alameda, past Cyarch. And how do you deliver the burritos? Via bicycle. Okay. Yeah, we have bicycle, and everybody puts burritos in your messenger bag. Last night we uh, we got some new papers that we roll them in. We roll them in paper, and then we roll them in tinfoil. Mm-hmm. That sounds some like a tinfoil paper combination, like you get like a sub wrapped in in Philly. Mm-hmm. And uh, those didn't work out too good because some of the burritos that were at the bottom exploded. Mm. You, like, reach into your bag and just put your hand into a bunch of beans. But, uh, um, yeah, and we have a baby cart that sometimes we'll throw if we don't have that many riders. Like, if it's raining or some people didn't show up, we have a baby cart and we'll throw a cooler in the back of the baby cart with a couple cases of water. And that way we could probably do it with we, – we, right now we have – about 20 riders showing up, but if there's a night where no riders showed up, we could do the whole project with probably four people. Really? Four people could do but, the whole thing? Yeah, with, with use of the baby cart. But it would take a lot longer, too. Um, so it's kind of like a, a really fast mission. What we do is we get out, and there's four different routes, and we took about um, about four to five people per route. One route is like a little bit longer. Or has more people, so we usually have more people on that route. Mm-hmm. And you take about anywhere from 14 to 20 burritos in your bag and then fit as many waters as you can, and then we hit the road. And you're going strong? Are you, are you expanding? Mm-hmm. Are you you're growing? Well, the way it works is that we set up kind of a simple, like a simple concept that anybody can take and apply. There's no, like, there's no structure to the organization. There's no organization. It's just like an entity, you know? So the whole idea was we started doing it. We were saying, like, this is super easy. We wanted more people to do it. Um, one of the guys that used to be involved with us put us on MySpace. And then from there, kind of just set up a simple MySpace page. People have been adding it. They, they start their own. There's people in Chicago, Denver, New York, Chicago, uh, Philadelphia. There's another group of people here in L.A. that has started doing it on the West Side. I have no connection to them. Hmm. Yeah. And the other day I was listening to um, KXLU here, or one of the local radio stations here, and I heard them interviewing somebody from another burrito project. Wow. It's one of those things where it's set up to be people going and doing something, getting directly involved, and it doesn't have to have, like, all this crazy shit that comes when you start doing, like, nonprofit work and Hmm. a lot of other stuff. You tend to work with the same people, giving food to the to the some people who show up every week. Or? Um, yeah, we have some people on routes that we 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 see all the time. I have a, a couple guys who, one of the guys has a cell phone and he calls me here and there. Um, one of uh, one of the guys that we used to, to feed and who was on the street is now in the SRO. Um, there's a couple guys that I check in with that I bring like blankets to, socks, underwear, clothing when they need it, um, shoes. And like, uh, and that sometimes that happens on nights that aren't necessarily burrito projects. I'll run into them, and they'll tell me what they need, and we try and hook them up with stuff too. So do you? Like, like I have like a, like a huge family. I come from a large family, and everybody in my family saves like hotel shampoos and stuff, and I take those out. Hmm. Yeah. No. So how do people reach you if they want to get involved or if they want to volunteer? Um, usually, uh, I, I kind of have just been like, if you want to come out and ride with us, it's, it's pretty much for the mouth because people come through my house. So it's like, this is all run out of my house. So I have, 
you know, I've had over like, you know, over the three years of doing this, like over 100 people coming in, in and out of my house every week. So kind of it's just kind of, for our group, brought in by friends, you know. I know that there's other groups that have websites and stuff like that. Um, San Diego does a, there's a, food, uh, there's a real project in San Diego where I think they have like a, they do a lot of stuff off the web. So I kind of just keep ours as, we're kind of like at capacity as far as like volunteer wise goes. And I'm always just telling people just get out there and get a group of two, three people together and just make some food and take it out, you know? Yeah. That's, that's the whole idea. It's not like something you join. It's something you can do yourself, you know? Right. Is there also a message about bikes wrapped in there with your message about burritos? Um, uh, our, our group is very bike-centered. I know that there's other burrito projects that don't use bikes at all. But I had originally started doing burrito project a long time ago with a bunch of skaters and punk rock kids. And the whole idea I was thinking is, like, it'd be good to get into these downtowns where we go to see shows, where we go to skate, and we already are interacting with a lot of homeless people. They kind of give a different type of dialogue for people who have already started to interact with each other. And then when I started riding bikes again, and I started uh, this bike winter here in L.A., I really started thinking about doing it again and getting doing it via bicycle just because of the just the way LA is and the bikes really lend it to helping people out like that so that's why we do it on bikes and it's kind of just it gets you in and out of there fast and I know like food not bombs sometimes gets busted for like feeding people but for us we're like in and out so it's not and there's not like a, a set up table or anything so we can get in and out without having to have any interaction with police officers. Hmm. So. That's good. So are you networking there? Are you meeting a lot of bike people? Um, yeah. I mean, tonight, I'm just kind of like hanging out with friends, saying hi to some people I haven't seen for a little while. Cool. It's been a while since I did a, a group ride like this. So it's been cool. Okay. Well, uh, keep in touch with Bike Talk, please. We'd like to talk to you again. Okay. No problem. Thank right. you. Thanks, Todd. Have a good night. Right. Bye-bye. And that was Todd Regalado with uh, with the Burrito Project, and Todd is uh, Todd's a very humble person. They actually have received a lot of press. They were one of the first places that uh, they received mention was in Newsweek. They were actually uh, printed up because Newsweek was doing a story on how uh, on how businesses were connecting and nonprofits were connecting, and they were talked a little bit about MySpace and how MySpace was helping out. Uh, small nonprofits, and even though uh, the Burrito Project is sort of an anomaly, it's not quite anything that's registered as a corporation or uh, a nonprofit. It just sort of exists. Uh, they won. They did win MySpace's competition for uh, for beneficial projects, beneficial human humanity projects. I don't even know what those are called, really. What any yeah, sort of, sort of philanthropic. That's what I'm looking for. Beneficial philanthropic projects, and like, uh, they, they, uh, so they were, they won that, and that was like a, a five thousand dollar grant, and, uh, and so also picked up in the process, picked up Newsweek's attention. So, uh, so Todd's a pretty incredible guy. He's, he's uh, the Burrito Project has spawned several different uh, 
different little ones all across the country, and I know the guys who founded the ones in D.C. And so they, they're really they're, – he's really doing an incredible job. It looks like uh, Nick is back on the phone here. We've got Dorothy Wong calling back in here. Uh, she is right now in Sea Otter, and I think she's going to be giving us a uh, an update on what's going on May 9th with Women's Bike Talk. Hello. Hi, you guys. How's it going? Great. Good. We are back. Uh, I am now here at uh, the Luna Chicks, the Luna Chicks program. We did a really great interview that you guys um, were going to be featuring on our May 9th Women on Bike show. So uh, I just went through the brand-new clothing line uh, from Luna. They have a great sport clothing. You guys, that'll be awesome to hear about on May the 9th. And next to me now, I have Karen, uh, who's a Luna Chicks ambassador. She's talking right now to the ladies. They are showing off all their cool new products. There's some Luna smoothies, Luna moons. All kinds of Luna recovery stuff. That's right. So we're going to talk about so many exciting things on May the 9th, and Karen is just going to give us a little preview about what Luna Chicks is doing for women's cycling. So, yes. So Karen is the ambassador of the Bay Area Luna Chicks uh, grassroots program. more than grassroots. We have a really established program. Okay, great. So tell us about that, Karen. Yeah, uh, the, the um, Bay Area Luna Chicks is part of the whole Luna program, and Luna's been going around for about at least nine years, and it's now actually a national program. But we have Luna Chicks all across the country, and our whole job is to get women out and um, uh, being healthy outside. Particularly, I'm involved with the mountain bike area, but, you know, we have triathletes, we have endurance athletes, we have runners and swimmers. But um, in the Bay Area, we have mountain bike clinics where we bring women all ages, all abilities, and we put them out in a safe environment and teach them how to ride their bike. We put up little cones and get them to do single track, and we uh, teach them how to, you know, the right position on the bike, and that it's really just all about balance. And we get them safely riding, and then they can take those skills out onto the trails and get out and really enjoy the, the, you know, nature's goodness, and they have a lot of fun. And what Luna does is all the money that we raise goes to the breast cancer funds, and it's a pretty powerful organization where they look at the environmental causes for cancer. Um, basically, you know, they're the ones that have said that, hmm, gee, why is there such a high cancer rate? Oh, maybe it's because it's in the environment and things like shampoo or fingernail polish or stuff that you, you know, use every day might actually be contributing to uh, cancer growth. And, and they're, they're looking at really scientifically figuring this out, getting evidence so that we can um, change our practice. And if that means you, you know, stop using a specific kind of nail polish, um, that's a good thing. It's a good thing for women and, of course, it's a good thing for men, too. Uh, what else does Luna do? Uh, I don't know. Well, uh, what Luna does is some really great community support for women. <laughs> yes. And so uh, with that, we have a exciting show on May the 9th where you're going to learn all the cool things that Luna Chicks does. Well, what has, uh, Karen, have you seen a, a really big change in women's cycling, something that Luna Chicks has done to help kind of promote that? How? Yeah. 
Well, they have these Luna um, Pro riders that Luna sponsors a dozen women who uh, cross the country, uh, women like Allison Dunlap, uh, Marla Streb, uh, Shawnee um, Katrina, uh, Chloe, there's Georgia Gould. These women are out shining, leading the way, demonstrating that women just kick butt and really are fast, strong athletes, and they are very nice people, too. And so they're role models for newer riders, helping build confidence. Yeah, they, they teach um, that women have the capacity to do just about anything that they put their minds to. Okay. And the Luna Cliff team supports these women uh, by actually, you know, giving them money so that they can travel and race hard. And it's a lot of work, believe it or not. It's fun work, but it's work. And Cliff Luna helps to sponsor them. And these role models can inspire um, high school or younger women to get out there and try something maybe they never thought they could do. And the next thing you know, they have success, and, and then they're racing. And, Karen, they've inspired you. So you, what do you do? Well, I coach for the um, Northern California um, Mountain Bike High School League, and uh, my daughter is uh, on the Terra Linda High School team, and uh, they don't have quite enough girls out there, so we need more women because the women's points count just the same as the men's points. And In fact, the NorCal League has um, now gone to Southern California, uh, when they've had their first two races and they've had a lot of success. We have two more races in our season, and, and we'll start training for next year. Great, and it's good to get youth on bicycles, isn't it? Why? The youth are the future. And the training for cycling carries across in all aspects of your life because you very clearly on a bicycle can see that if you put the effort in, you have good results. Just like academics, you know, you do your homework, you study. Hmm, funny thing, you get the A. Cliff has a whole bunch of products just for kids, and uh, they get them eating healthy stuff. Uh, you wouldn't expect your car to run without gas, so you got to eat well. Anyhow, here you go. Okay, thanks. Thanks so much, Karen. Karen's going back to work. Uh, to Dorothy? To all the cool stuff. Yeah. So uh, what? it sounds like the atmosphere out there is pretty electric. Yeah, it's pretty electric. We got just people loving bikes. It's it's almost a bike tent city. As are are there are there folks camping out there? Is it? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, we are, got. Uh-huh. Uh I was. I'm wondering. Um, is this is this the large one of the larger turnouts for Sea Otter? Well, you know, um, it's funny that you ask that. Ask that because I've been doing this. For 13 years now, this is my 13th sea otter, and um, I think the they have sea otter has done really good at evolving this festival with the changes in cycling. So back in the day, it was a lot about the pro road peloton, and um, now um, they've actually created more of a family atmosphere. So up in the campgrounds, uh, it's families, kids, moms and dads, uh, friends camping out, and it's more now kind of just built around uh, the cyclists wanting to have a good time. And um, 
actually, I am going to take uh, my friend out riding later today, and she is, doesn't ride much, but she's here, and uh, we're going to get her out on the bike and and kind of help increase her love of cycling. So, amazingly enough, there are people here um, that are just passionate about bikes, but there are people here that also are supporting friends and family that are now inspired. Right. <laughs> By the thousands of people here. Are but, there yeah. are there like demo rides or easy rides for everyone, or is it is it just a race atmosphere? No, no. There, it's definitely a family atmosphere. There's actually an Easter egg hunt for kids. Um, <laughs> there's a gentleman uh, who is doing a stunt show uh, with ramps and kind of uh, doing that. There's actually uh, uh, rock and roll and different types of music bands playing. Yeah. Um, so all you have to do is walk around the festival, and there's something different going on. But I would say that I wish there was um, a little more advocacy of bicycling, um, and that we, as this huge group and bike festival, could really be kind of pulling together a little bit more, you know, to kind of reach out and get more people on bikes and out of the car. What do you so think about Bike Talk having a tent there next year? Yeah, I'm telling you. That is a great idea. And great uh, idea. How and, about, uh, uh, how about C- ro- Yeah, go ahead. What, uh, rolling up to me right now, I have a young up-and-coming cyclist named Morgan Ryan here. And I just wanted to ask him a question. And um, um, Can I do that really quick? Of course, yeah. Go He's for right it. here. Okay, Morgan Ryan is here competing in the junior road race, and uh, he is also one of our team riders for Team Cycle, and he went to Belgium to race cyclocross. Um, so um, I'm just going to ask Morgan, Morgan, uh, how many years have you done Sea Otter now, and how old are you? Uh, I've done Sea Otter for about five years now, and I'm uh, 17 right now. Cool, and what are you doing here? Are you going to race tomorrow? Yeah, tomorrow I'm going to do the 1718 uh, road race. For um, I'm, I'm doing it because there's a it's a world qualifying race for uh, Moscow, Russia this year. So if you qualify well, you're going to race uh, your bicycle in Russia. Yeah, it's a really good chance. So I'm hoping that. <laughs> awesome. So Morgan is. Uh, when did you start riding a bike? Uh, I started riding bikes or wool racing when I was uh, about five and a half years old with BMX, and then I upgraded to uh, track and then uh, road when I was 10. All right. Well, go rest, recover. Do uh, you guys have any questions for Morgan before I let him go? Morgan, are the uh, junior worlds oh, in, in Moscow? On. Wait, hold on. Here he is. Okay. <laughs> Hello? Morgan, how are you doing? Pretty good. How about you? Good, good. Uh, I'm glad you're out there. I'm wondering if the junior worlds are in Moscow this year. Uh, yes, they are, in fact. Do you know when? Do you know when they're happening? Um, sometime around the end of July. Oh, that's awesome! I wish you the best of luck with that. Thanks. Um, so go, have, yeah, like uh, like Dorothy said, recover well, and I uh, wish you a good race tomorrow. All right, thanks very much. Hey guys. Hey Dorothy, um, I've got one last question for you here. Why? Okay. Is, uh, why do they call it Sea Otter? Where did where it get its name from? Well, it got the name because we are minutes away from one of the most beautiful coastlines in the state of California, uh, Monterey Bay, which is the home of the sea otter. 
Awesome. <laughs> so Sea Otter is the official mascot of the Sea Otter Classic. Awesome. Well, uh, yeah. uh, I wish you the best out there. Thank everybody here says thanks for the uh, for the rolling report there. So yeah, and look forward to May 9th, our Women on Bike show, where we are going to do a nice feature on all of the fun things uh, that Sea Otter is doing for women. Okay, you guys. That'll be great. Thank you very much. All right. Have a great day. Okay. You do the same, Dorothy. Bye. Dorothy Long, live from Sea Otter in Monterey, California. And uh, that... I, I think she's right. I think that would actually make a great place to have a booth and get some get some live interviews of some yeah. uh, some amazing professionals there. So that'd be great. Um, we do have uh, next year coming up in about five minutes. We have uh, Josh calling in. Josh is uh, Josh has been running the rollers on all kinds of gold sprint events and basically gold sprint events. We've talked about this a little bit before. They're stationary bikes racing on rollers uh, to try and cover. It's it varies two hundred and fifty meters five hundred meters those are those are two very popular distances uh, and whoever gets there fastest wins he's he's actually got a set that he's been providing at a lot of local events they run a they run a race series out in Long Beach they also uh, a couple weeks ago at the Long Beach Festival had a series going on so he'll be calling up uh, they they're going to be out tonight at the Velo City um, the Velo City race. In it is at sixteen sixteen thirty seven North Spring Street, going on about eight o'clock this evening. So uh, and hopefully he'll give us a little uh, sixteen thirty seven North Spring Street. At eight is when the the gold sprint starts. Six is when the alley cat starts at the lake at Echo Park. So so yeah, there's uh, it's definitely going to be exciting. So um, if you're interested in finding, do out, I see free beer? I think you do see free beer, and I think you see free beer by New Belgium Brewery, which is actually wow. pretty decent beer. Excellent, excellent little company that was uh, founded by a guy who rode his bike through through Belgium and was inspired by the breweries that he visited, and uh, and now has a completely wind powered brewery in Fort Collins, Colorado. Really, uh, really a interesting. Joke in that somewhere. Um, I'm sure there is. I don't. I, I'm not smart enough to find it though. Me neither. <laughs> so anyway, but the okay. cool thing is about it. If you if you work for him for a few years, he actually gives you a bike. So, really, a uh, really interesting wow. place to work. Well, that sounds like the thing to do. Yeah. Oh, I was uh, going to see what you what you have to say here. Uh, well, um, we could talk to Joseph, or we could save that for after Josh. That would make sense. Yeah. Um. So. Sea Otter, next year. Who's yeah, in? Who's I'm in. in? You're in. Brad's in. Steve's in. Okay. And uh, also, we, we've been talking to Elisa a little bit here, and she's uh, Talk to Lisa. just just found out that she was uh, an employee with Delta. True. All right. So, how, and is that how you got to Paris? Indeed. So, so you're actually you're a, you're a world traveler here. I know a little I, bit. I know Brad is a world traveler as well, but he's kind of on a different scope. He's uh, he pays. <laughs> 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 so, so we we've been talking to you about possibly giving us reports from different cities. Do you have any place that you'd like to visit next? Well, for sure, I'm going to Australia when Delta starts flying to Sydney in in July. So, I'm definitely going there in July, no matter what. But we since we bought Northwest, I don't know if they. I'm pretty sure, but they have like 14 different destinations via Tokyo. So if I can get from Sydney to 
Tokyo and then Tokyo to Thailand because I've been to Tokyo before. Not that I don't love the place, but it is out of control. So it would be a little overwhelming, I think, to try to do it by myself because I went with a group last time. Um, but Thailand is like in my top five places to go with Australia. So I'm, I want to do those two in July, hopefully. Just take the whole month and sublet my room. FYI, in case anybody wants to live in Third of Vermont. <laughs> <laughs> I had a question about uh, what's it cost these days to take your to take your bike on the plane. Uh, and how if you're can we, smart, and how can we change it? Yeah, you can't. Good luck. I mean, no, you wait. You probably can. Maybe you can. I shouldn't be so negative. Um, <laughs> but um, considering with economy and flights being cut back, I they're they're starting to regular. Uh, people that buy tickets to fly now pay They're for... They're called customers. Right. Passengers. <laughs> customers. They're called, actually, we call them suckers here, <laughs> Brad. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, customers that fly, passengers, confirmed passengers, that's the word I was looking those were the words I was looking for. Um, they now pay for their first for their first bag to check in. So it doesn't even if it's in the regular size, you're paying fifteen bucks for your one bag. And then you pay twenty five bucks for your second bag. If you have two No, I'm actually asking specifically about bike boxes. Right. Well okay, bike boxes is Can that count as it, your first bag? No, unfortunately, because yeah, they're too big. So it's a minimum I think it's a hundred dollars, but they might have changed it. It might have gone up recently. And that so, is that's per flight, per leg of the flight. Per no, not per leg. Per destination. like it's well, like if you have a connection, if you have three different connections to get from here to wherever, that's a hundred bucks, and yeah. then to come back, it's a hundred bucks. So yeah, but if you have a stopover, if you are gonna go from here to London, but you're gonna stop in New York for two days, you're gonna pay for a hundred dollars from here to New York, and then you're that's one, you're done, that's one stopover or destination, and then you have London, and then you come back. You so. Know? International flights used to be free to ship your bike. Is that is that still true? No. Oh man. And uh, because of the size, it's just a matter of size now. Now all we care about is size. But what you can do, which um, my friend Michelle Appel, she I uh, gave her a buddy pass to go to fly into Cairo, and then she's cycling from Cairo to Tel Aviv, and then flying back from Tel Aviv. So and she what she did is she broke down her bo- her bike in two different boxes cuz on a buddy pass and on employees standby whatever you can still check in two bags for free. So she got it in two boxes that fit the size requirements and paid nothing. She her bike shipped free to Cairo. So it worked. Well we we've, we've uh we've talked about this before not not so much here but like uh um, definitely, Richie is making a bike called the Breakaway, which fits in its own little box, and you, it's, it actually folds in the middle. You take out the seat post, pull the bike apart, uh, and it comes with its own suitcase. And that one will save you, it, it generally ends up saving you, if you're checking it in as your first piece, it would be about $85, you know. So, right. um, so even though they're, they're fairly expensive, it's, it could be a little bit cheaper in the long run, depending on how much it's- you fly. True. Very, very, very true. So, I agree. Um, one of the... It's interesting. At Delta, size matters. Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> so so what? It, let's say I'm carrying, uh, I'm carrying golf clubs. Uh, what do you guys charge for, for golf clubs now? Because I know for a while that was a big, a big I- issue. Right. 
Um, yeah, we used to not charge for golf clubs and for skis. They could count for, because, I mean, our hub, one of our hubs are salt, is Salt Lake. So to charge people for skis, we're going to destroy that hub for the most part. So we didn't. But now I believe there is a charge. There's a charge on every bag, no matter what. Well, I, I mean, I definitely... I definitely feel like there's de- discrimination against the non-skiing cyclists. Right. <laughs> so our, what, what if we stuck skis on our bike box? Can we get in for the ski price? A bike price? box weighs so much more than skis do. Oh, damn it. Unfortunately. I was kind of imagining a bike rack on the back of the airplane. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all our little bikes lined up. If we pull up. that off, that could be pretty awesome. Kind of like I the mean, bus, maybe freeze. put it on the front with a tilt-down rack. <laughs> so, okay, we... What do we What do we have going on from here? Uh, Josh. Oh yeah, we got we've got Josh Josh from Long Beach. Stephen, you got any news for us? Not that I can think of at the moment. Um, I I will want to remind people about how to hear us on KPFK the podcast. Should I do that now, Nick? If you missed any part of today's show, want to send it to a friend or subscribe to our podcast, go to kpfk.org and click on programs, and then click on Bike Talk. Also, we have a website, biketalk.us, which you can contact us through, and it's got all kinds of great links. And we have uh, a Gmail account where you can call, uh, get in touch with us, which is livebiketalk at gmail.com. Thanks. Yeah, we're definitely looking for, uh, for any input. Uh, we, we need some help with, with the direction of the show. So we are going to be doing one hour long studio time with KPFK. Uh, if there's anybody that you would like to interview, uh, or to hear interviewed, if you, you would like to be interviewed, please give us a call. Uh, you could interview somebody. You could, and then send it to us. Yeah. That'd be cool. So now we have live on the phone here. We've got Josh from Long Beach, who is, who has been doing the roller race series. Uh, we're gonna go ahead and transfer over to him. Josh, how you doing? Good, good. How are you? I'm doing fantastic, thank you. Nice. Uh, so what do you have going on tonight here? Well, actually, tonight we're gonna do gold sprints at the after party for Vela City, which is gonna be pretty epic. Uh, lots of good sponsors, New Belgium Beer, PBR, Level Hubs, various other sponsors. And this is going to be basically the prelude to going to Tokyo for the World Messenger Championship. So it's been very exciting. That's, that's awesome. Um, it's, are there going to be prizes for the, for the gold sprints? Uh, yes, there is going to be prizes for the gold sprints. Uh, they're being provided by the Messenger community, so... It's going to be a big surprise as to what they are. <laughs> um, Josh, you, you've been doing a uh, gold sprint series out in uh, Long Beach. Is that still going on? It is going to be going on. Actually, we're going to be doing a summer series called Metal Sprints, and it's going to be at Ferns in Long Beach. And it's going to be basically every month, with the first Sunday of every month, and we're going to be spinning hardcore metal albums to doing gold sprints. Fantastic. That sounds awesome. Oh, man. Uh, okay. Um, how about uh, the Long Beach uh, Cycle Festival a couple weeks ago? How'd everything go? It was actually pretty amazing. You know, there was a lot, a lot, a lot of riders, 
city bikers, road riders, people that just enjoy riding beach cruisers. You know, everybody actually got together and everybody actually met new faces, which was kind of cool. Uh, the cycling event downtown that was on Friday was uh, pretty spectacular. If you can imagine 80s breakdancing only with fixed gear bikes, that's pretty much <laughs> sums it up. Any place that we can find out about you, Josh, and, and your roller events? Uh, basically, you can get all the information for roller racing in L.A. and Southern California off of lbcsprints.com. And for all of the people that have already raced on my rollers, you can find out all the stats from your old races on my website, too. So if you want to find out what place you're in, look at the website. It'll tell you. Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you so much for the call, and uh, we look forward to hearing hearing back on how Velo City went and also how uh, the metal sprints are going. Oh, it's going to be exciting. I'm, it sounds like it. All <laughs> right, Josh, we'll talk to you soon. All right, thanks, Jim. Yep, see ya. Well, we're, we're winding down here at Bike Talk. Uh, not sure if uh, anyone has anything else they'd like to add here, anybody they'd like to thank, anybody that, anything that they're finding in the magazines here. I wonder if this Mafia Racing team is at Sea Otter, do you think? Because they're like a, this unconventional team that is sponsored by PAPS and a guitar company manufacturer and something else, and they party. That's their bus is about party, and they, and their talks like about, um, their mechanics helping anybody on a bicycle with adjustments or fixing anything, and they just like, and their and their uh, uniform is asymmetrical and hip. <laughs> it sounds awesome. That's it's, uh, these guys actually look fairly similar to anybody remember the rock racing team that uh, it's still going on. Uh, but but these guys rock racing actually had a bunch of big name stars. Mario Cipollini raced for them for a little while. They also had. Rumor, there were rumors of Tyler Hamilton racing for them in a comeback, but uh, this is uh, Mafia Racing. It looks like one of their uh, racers is Landon Lewick. I, I don't recognize, recognize him, but apparently he is listed here as a B-celebrity who is on MTV's The Real World. So, <laughs> so, so if you're interested in going and finding some real-world racers... Um, that would be the that would be the place to look. Mafia, the Mafia racing team, and I I would bet that they probably are at the Seattle race this year. So, uh, where are you reading that out of? Uh, Velo News. Velo News. This is uh, let's see. It's going to say down here. April April issue. So uh, so it's listed under Planet Dirt Mob Ties, and I actually you know what these these look like cyclocross bikes. So we may have a. Yeah, it talks about it. It talks about. A racing team at any mountain bike or cyclocross race. Uh-huh. So, it's possible. Xterra triathlon, mountain biking, Xterra triathlon, cyclocross, and road racing, road cycling. Pabst is jumping in with both feet. It looks like yeah. so that for a long time, Pabst has been an underground sponsor of uh, of messenger races and and some other things. But now they are actually delving into the into the world of sponsorship of professional sponsorship of of regular teams. Is it the small factory trader? The small factory trader cycles. Don't they don't they make a Paps like a special limited edition Paps blue ribbon frame set? They do. They do actually. That? Yeah, I, I have seen that. I don't know. 
I, I'd have to look it up to, to give you exactly what the details on it. But yeah, I saw this guy. I saw this guy's at Interbike, and it's a it's unusual. It's pretty cool. Okay, so these people. It started in 2007 in and around Boulder, Boulder, Colorado. I really feel like I should take a trip to Colorado and see all the things, like see the bike sharing. We, and see these people. We've had a we've had a lot of Boulder, Colorado topics in the past in the past couple months, including uh, Ellen Hall was uh, in Boulder, Colorado, and she was on our last or two week two times ago the women's bike talk in uh, March. And uh, let's see. Also, we've had Tim Blumenthal from Boulder, Colorado. Boulder, Colorado did just make the list of platinum bicycle cities in the United States of which I think there are three, Davis, Portland, and now Boulder. So uh, I, they ha- they actually, the plan in Boulder, their snow, their snow plan is to plow the road, the uh, bike paths before they actually plow, get all the roads plowed. So, and I think Boulder just also opened up the, the newest indoor velodrome in the country in, in late January. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't have all the facts on that. You actually probably know a lot more than me, Brad. Yeah, I, I haven't been. Obviously, I haven't been up there yet. But uh, I believe they. I want to say the grand opening was like January 29th, and it's the first. It's the most recent one to open. The most recent one I've heard of in a long time. So, kind of a cool development to see uh, to see velodromes continuing to be built in the U.S. Yeah, that's great. So, yeah, what do you say, Boulder, Colorado? I'm in. All right. Next weekend, I so, won't be here. I'll be there. So next weekend is uh, we're pushing Elisa for roving reporter in Boulder, Colorado. Okay, we we have a we've got Chicken Leather on the phone. Who we are still going to be doing a uh, Chicken Leather lookalike contest for Halloween next year at Orange Twenty. But I'm going to put him up here. You haven't been on the air, did you know that? And now you're on the air. <laughs> I'm on the air. This is Chicken Leather. We're here at the Earth Day celebration. Uh, sponsored by the uh, Community Service uh, Unlimited. And Community Service Unlimited uh, have, a, I think their mission statement goes something like this. They envision equitable, healthy, and sustainable communities that are uh, self-reliant and interrelated where the individual has the support and resources needed to develop uh, their individuality towards themselves to their fullest capacity. There's all sorts of people here. Uh, including some traditional things like Girl Scouts, but some untraditional things like uh, the bike oven. Uh, South Central Farmer here giving away food and, and things of that sort. Where where uh, is it, whole, Chicken Leather? A whole Earth Day celebration. Go ahead. Where where is it? Where are you? This is at uh, Normandy and Vernon. Uh, Vernon, just a little bit south of Martin Luther King Boulevard in South Central. At the historic Chesterfield Square now. Awesome. Uh, before, before I, I knew it, this is Normandy and, and, uh, and Vernon. It was a uh, place where you could get your car. In fact, there still are a lot of uh, car repair and, and, and easy stuff here. Uh, already, the, the bike of it is some repairs. Uh, I've seen probably one of the worst rims ever. Uh, but he wanted to keep the hub, so he may be sending that out to... Uh, to uh, Paul and Atomic Cycles, and it's not that like we gave a spot. We just figured that Paul could use the work out there. <laughs> also, uh, we've, we've repaired a couple of kids' bikes that uh, uh, basically, I, I guess, 
you know, if you fix a flat for a kid, you're their hero. So that's that's what's uh, happening around here today. Uh, Sounds awesome. A bit, a bit warm, but uh, they're selling all sorts of food, including smoothies, uh, some ice cream, and what have you. That uh, sort of leave you on a heat of the day kind of thing here. You were asking something. When when is Earth Day? Did that already happen? Yeah, but, but this is off of uh, it's an Earth Day celebration. I, I I need Martin Luther King's birthday. I said it was past Martin Luther King Boulevard. I guess I could say it was past Santa Barbara, but nobody would know what that is. Uh, a lot of people don't know that when you rename the boulevard, it's not like in ties on the boulevard with the last name. You just it's just renamed that. It's, if you look in the uh, sort of uh, city charter, there's actually the original name. So if you, I'll, I'll give you an example. I live on Harvard Boulevard, yep. but it's actually still Montecito Street or Boulevard. So if you were to say, "Hey, I got to go out to Montecito Street," there, it doesn't exist in Los Angeles, but Historically, it does. I guess you'd have to get the time machine, but all these names still exist. So it's still Santa, Santa Barbara Boulevard, but nobody calls it that. They call it Martin Luther King Boulevard now. How many people you think are out there right now? Right now, there's probably about, oh, uh, 40 or 50. Uh, it is the heat of the day, and uh, the kids are, it's all asphalt out here pretty much. Uh, there is some people are sort of gravitating to the garden place, which is the shades where, where they're eating and reading some of the literature that's being uh, passed out. And if you get down here, we're going to we're gonna give you a free uh, bike patch kit, courtesy of Metro and the bike oven. Sounds fantastic. <laughs> All right, All right. Chicken Leather, thanks a lot for the, uh, for the heads up. Okay, talk to you later. Keep up the good work. Peace out. So that was Chicken Leather calling from Normandy and Vernon uh, down at the Earth Day celebration, I think is what he was saying. So if you're in the area, stop on by, pick, a, pick yourself up a free patch kit, have a little smoothies, come on up, coming up Normandy, hang out at the Bicycle District a little bit today. It's going to be cool. Every day is Earth Day. And then shoot down to Echo Lake. Echo Park Lake uh, at six o'clock, and you can catch the catch the alley cat that ends at at eight o'clock over over at sixteen thirty seven North Spring. And a really free market at MacArthur Park right now. Really free or from one to five. Uh huh. That's where they give away things that they don't want, or you give away things that you don't want, or you accept things that other people don't want. So so you'll get some really free stuff. Yeah. So uh, and. And there have been bike collectives there as well, but I, I don't know what's going on there there today. But if you're interested in free bike repair or free bike knowledge, that would be the way to go. So anybody got anything else they'd like to add to today's show? No? Sounds – we got Stephen here. Just keep in mind the date, June 20th. Uh, there's going to be a big critical mass ride joining a group from the Algolita Marine Research Foundation – who are doing a ride from Vancouver to Tijuana. They're stopping through, and they want to have as many people join them as they can. So that's on Saturday, June 20th. So keep it in mind. Sounds fantastic. Nick, thanks once again. been a wonderful time. Everybody, if you get a chance, Velo City uh, is going on this weekend. Encino Velodrome, and you can find out more details on it, bikeswarm.org. Win yourself tickets to the Tokyo Messenger World Championships. 
And we're going to go ahead and sign off here. Everybody have a wonderful week. Keep the rubber side down. Oh,